Hello and welcome to Dancing in the Discomfort Zone podcast. This is Ann Bonnie, your host, and I am so excited to bring you today Robin Bozarth from Genesis Legacy Whole Body Donation Foundation. So we're going to talk about discomfort. We start talking about death. And then you start talking about body donation. And so I was really, really curious when I met Robin uh, through a conference that I'm speaking at in in November. And uh, I was really curious to hear more about whole body donation and what it is and uh, and how we can get and why why it is and how we can get involved in it. So enjoy this episode, Dancing in the Discomfort Zone, talking about something that we all have to deal with at some point in our lives, uh, but that is often really uncomfortable to talk about. And that's death and what happens to us afterwards. Well, at least the part that stays here. All right, enjoy. All right, we are dancing in the discomfort zone today with Robin Bozarth, who works for Mary Genesis, and Mary is the Medical Education and Research Institute. And Robin today is speaking on behalf of the Genesis Legacy Whole Body Donation Foundation. Robin, how are you today? I'm fantastic, Ann. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's great to be here with you. And you are calling in from Memphis, Tennessee, where you were where you were born and raised, right? For the most part, we're a tri-state area, so we are Mississippi, Tennessee, Arkansas. I was born and raised in Mississippi, but uh, yes, been in Memphis most of my life. Nice. Very cool. Memphis is fun. It is a fun city. A lot of fun. So you are the donor services manager at Genesis. And um, so tell me a little bit about what you do as a company and then what you do specifically. Okay. So, um, yes. So I am uh, the manager for the donation foundation. So Mary is the medical education research Institute, uh, and Genesis is the whole body donation foundation that supports that education and training for physicians, first responders, um, nurse practitioners, anyone in the healthcare field, medical device organizations, such as Medtronic, Smith, nephew, striker, things like that. So Genesis, again, is the, the whole body donation that supports that edu- education and training. Okay. And uh, what, what it, just, I'm going to stop you right there. Yeah. What is whole body donation? So whole body donation, there's a, a few uh, misconceptions, if you will, um, because there's two ways you can donate. So um, people assume that if you donate uh, your body to science, it automatically goes to a uh, university, medical school. And a lot of times that's that's where people are donating. Um, for our institute and organization and facilities like ours, they're called non-transplant anatomical donation organizations or a NATO, NADO. Um, being accredited through the American Association of Tissue Banks as a NATO, um, where most of us are private entities. Um, some are for-profit, some are not-for-profit. We are not-for-profit. And um, these go to, these donors will come to our facility and support education, training, research, uh, again, for physicians and learners from around the world. Um, <clears throat> now, within... Mary, again, we are located in Memphis. We only have one um, one company, if you will. There are several that, that have other locations. We do not. Um, they The donor would come to our institute um, and then be within our organization, which, again, is a private organization, not a medical school. Um, we work with some medical schools, but our donors do not participate in those type of programs. Okay. And now, is this... 
similar to organ donation that's on the back of my license? It is not. And that also is a misconception. So people assume that if you sign the back of your driver's license, then that means you donate, whether that's organ, tissue, eye, brain, or whole body. And it is not. Now, in the state of Tennessee, where we are, they have recently listed that on the back of your driver's license, where you can check the box. But that still doesn't mean that you automatically become a donor. It just means that I have elected to say that if my body is good uh, and eligible for donation, that I could be a donor at the time of death. Now, um, most states have, Tennessee does, if I elect to be an organ or tissue donor, a little heart on your driver's license. Um, again, misconception that that does not include whole body donation. Hmm. But you can, if you are an organ donor, you can also, organ and tissue, you can also be a whole body donor, right? For our facility, each facility is different. Each one has their own limitations. For our facility, uh, the, the decedent can be an organ, eye, brain donor, and partial tissue. Um, and we work with every local organ procurement organization or what we call OPO uh, in the states that we take donors from. Uh, which is 18 states in the southeastern region. And um, if the donor is eligible for those, they can still be those things, but some things are limited. Um, and, and again, another misconception, I'm going to be a whole body donor, so I can't be organ, or I'm going to be organ, so I can't be whole body. And that is certainly not the case. We want transplant and, and that type of life saving to be um, primary. And uh, it takes precedence over uh, whole body donation for non-transplant education, training, and research. Okay. And so if I, if I did choose to be a whole body donor, that would be basically medical students checking out my brain and seeing what's going on in there. Is that kind of what I'm understanding? It could be, but I will tell you it's for our organization, we have um, like medical device companies that come in uh, different ones. Again, we can go through like Medtronic, Teleflex, um, Stryker, Smith and Nephews, every branch of medicine that there is out there. We have done it in our institute. Um, so what happens is it could be the medical device company coming in, developing a new product. So they bring in their engineers, they bring in physicians and they develop the product. Once the product is developed, then um, passed through FDA, then it, they have to be trained. Some of the physicians, medical students, nurse practitioners, first responders have to be trained on the product. Then once the product has been trained on, they take that back to their organization, their institute, their hospital. But along the way, these physicians, <clears throat> nurses, practitioners all have to have CEUs and CMEs to maintain their licensure. And they will also come and do upgraded training, if you will, or advanced training and education um, to maintain their CEUs, learn new product development, things like that. So it's, it's different things. So you have product development, you have education, um, we are not specific to research. So we, someone couldn't say, well, I want you, my dad had dementia or Alzheimer's. Can um, you tell us what caused that? We do not. So we're not like um, uh, big hospitals like St. Jude that do cancer research, but we may have um, device companies or physicians that say, look, we're developing a new product 
it's a specific for um, orthopedic sarcoma. And we're looking for donors that had that type of, of illness in their death. So we would select those donors for that type of education and research. Hmm. So it does get really, really specific. It does very much so. So each device company could ask for someone of a specific sex, weight, height, cause of death, uh, medical history. Um, and then that's how they are selected, if you will, for the event in which they take place while they're with us. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I mean, uh, my next question was going to be, what are the benefits of whole body donation? But I mean, as I think about it as a living person, I would like all that stuff to be tested and, and developed before it goes into me. Right. So the, the, the whole thing was, if you think back years and years ago, even 25 years ago, it was uh, each one teach one. So, you know, I don't want to be the first gallbladder that, some, that, a, that a, a second year resident is taking out. I don't want to be um, the, the first person that they do brain tumor removal on. So our, our founder um, and chairman of the board, Dr. Kevin Foley, he's a world renowned neurosurgeon. Uh, here in Memphis, saw a need when he came um, from military Walter Reed uh, Hospital, came to Memphis at Sims Murphy, saw a need for hands-on education and training. And our donors, the one thing about our donors is they are not involved. So if a donor is at a medical school, they're generally there a couple of years, they're involved. That's the, the medical student's first patient, if you will. And um, they are with them for about two years. They're studying the anatomy. They're not specifically doing, um, you know, tumor removal or things like that. So when people think about donation, they think I'm going to a medical school. They're going to study my anatomy and that's how they learn. Mm -hmm. And that's the honest truth. But when you come to facilities like ours at Mary, it's product development. It's um, education. It's training. It is research. It's all broad specs of of the um, uh, whole piece, if you will. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's totally different. And you, again, it was each one teach one. And I, again, our donors are not involved. We want the physicians and learners to have the, the freshest feel of a live patient as possible. Um, we've developed processes um, that um, maintain donor quality, if you will, um, so that they can ensure that the donor gets to the, the full maximum utilization of their gift. Yeah. Wow. I love it. And are there any more benefits? Uh, I mean, that was a big one and an obvious one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you have um, education training. So you know that your physician has got to maintain uh, training over time um, to keep their skills up. Number one, learning new product. But if you, if we thought about one doctor that comes in right out of their residency and fellowship, and if they were only to do one, come into our institute, do one knee replacement <clears throat> and say, okay, they take that back to their hospital. And their lifetime of work is probably what, 30 years? You figure they finished around 38, they retired 65 to 70. And that 30 years, if they even just did one knee replacement in training, you think about how many knee replacements that they have done in a 30 to 35 year span where they have hopefully good physicians that it helps someone to walk again, be pain-free, no longer have a brain tumor. Um, they can move their neck now. I mean, anything that you can think of, they have taken that back and helped tens of thousands. So people say, oh, organ transplant 
is life-saving. Well, we look at whole body donation as life-saving as well. Totally. So, so for us, I mean, it's, it's super important that these learners and, and educators get their training and education. And again, I can't stress enough about product development. Um, we, we wouldn't have it. We have a group that comes from Japan um, two or three times a year, and they utilize about 15 donors at a time. And they do every branch of medicine that they offer with their company, peripheral vascular, cardiovascular, endovascular, um, gynecology, urology. And for two weeks, they will study with these donors doing product development. And those products come here to the U.S. Once they're developed, they come here to the U.S. So it's it's life-saving as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you call them donors, even as, you know, I mean, you're humanizing this thing that could become a, just, you know, a, another research thing. It's a person, you know? And so tell me a little bit about that process and and sort of some of the, the things you do in the process to continue that, you know, because it's somebody's family member and, you know, all that. It is. So that, that word I do not use loosely, that um, the donor is um, number one um, for us. For me personally, I've been in the, the industry for almost 20 years and um, it's very personal to me. I've had uh, family members who've donated to our facility, but you will hear um, if you ever come across people in this industry, you will hear a different terms. You will hear decedent, you will hear donor, you will hear tissue, you will hear anatomical material. But all of those things are in the situation um, in which they're in. So if a, a deceased, you've got someone who's deceased and they die, they arrive to our facility, they are a donor. And then once they clear, we do have a process where they have to clear quarantine and serology testing for infectious disease. We test for hepatitis B and C, HIV and COVID. If they pass all of that serological testing, they go into what um, is called um, like a general population, if you will, uh, system active inventory. When you look at it from a business perspective, for us in Genesis, it is always the donor, no matter if they're in, in the lab event, if they're with us, if they've been cremated, it is the donor because they are human and they deserve that dignity and respect that they had in life. Maybe they didn't get it in life, but everybody deserves that in the end. Yeah. Well, and before we were talking before the interview, you were talking about some of the things you do, sort of staying with the family, quote unquote through the process of the donor being part of your part of your program. So talk to me a little bit about that. Okay. So our donors are with us generally six to 12 months. Um, so during that process, we start with sometimes the family right before. Um, it could be that their loved one is getting ready to pass or has just passed and that starts the process. So we have, um, we send condolence letters. We call and offer our condolence. We work on the death certificate. We provide one death certificate to the family. Um, and then during that stay, the family can call at any time and say, I'm just checking in. Wanna see how my loved one's doing. We'll give them as much information as we can. Um, and then at the end of their stay, they're cremated. Um, we send a letter of, um, research and education, if you will, that explains how they participated and helped further education and research. 
Um, so that's a that's a really big thing for the family. So they see how their loved one participated um, in all the things that they got to do. So with that said, again, we're the, that family for up to a year. Now, we do have some donors who may not pass serology, who may not have been in a good quality at the time um, that they arrived. And they will just go home sooner. Now, in our department, that's not everything we know. Um, so we just thank them for the gift and say, unfortunately, the, the gift is not being able to be utilized. But we uphold everything we say we were going to do. And the donor just gets to go home a little early, generally within four to six weeks. Um, and then at the end of their, their stay with us, again, they get the research letter. And then every year in September, we hold what we call annual donor day, where we celebrate the lives of our donors and donor families for the last year. And we, this year was the first in-person we've had in the last couple of years due to the, our great plague of COVID. Um, our, I think our turnout was a little about 600 oh, wow. uh, from all over the country and, and come. And we have a, a nice celebration reception, a, a video montage, a veterans tribute, a dove release. And, and we have all that on our website as well where that's in there. So it, it turns out to be super nice because it's closure for some families who may not have had um, a service, whether it's they just chose not to have one, maybe they couldn't afford one. Um, but I think it's closure for our team too, because we've been with that family um, the whole year. And you're talking about a thousand families in a year. Wow. So, so to, to, service those families and be able to take this journey with them that their loved one has been on uh, with their gift is closure for us too. And it, it, it's emotional for our team. It, it truly is. And uh, I think that gives us all a little bit of closure. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's so wonderful. I mean, it, and <laughs> I can think of the check up, the check-in call, like, Oh, Hey Robin, how's my dad doing? Oh, well, yeah. he had knee surgery, you know, and he, <laughs> he had yeah. Lady, I've been following for not with with nine months with her dad, and I she calls me every month. We talk about an hour, and um, her her dad finally went home last week, and she couldn't have been more excited. But yeah, we we get those calls every day. That's awesome, and and that you know the loved ones live on to continue to do good things. That's that's Absolutely. really neat. Absolutely, they do. That's really cool. Um, so. Are there any other misconceptions or, or hesitations people have about whole body donation? So we, there are probably a couple of misconceptions. And if you really want to get into the dark and dirty of it, um, which again, dancing in the discomfort zone. You, Here we you, go. <laughs> oh, there are, um, I would say not misconceptions, but when you look at our industry of um, whole body donation for private entities, there are some bad seats. And that's why we take pride in our accreditation, because you do hear about people selling body parts and, and disposing of, of um, someone's loved one in ways that should not be or are not disposing of them, uh, if you will. So when someone is donated or cremated or buried, that is called a final disposition. So the final disposition for us is um, donation. That's what their death certificate is going to show. But true final disposition is the body's been cremated and either returned to their loved one or we interred them in a columbarium or mausoleum here in our area forever. So they, they can be pulled from those areas at any time if a loved one calls us. 
But people think I'm not donating my body to science. They're just going to, you know, chop me up into little bitty pieces and not, you know, take care of me. Um, and that is number one, why we have an open door policy. Anyone can come in at any time. Um, another reason why we're accredited because we are audited, we are held to a higher standard, uh, and watched very carefully. Whole body donation is not a regulated industry. Now, would we like for it to be? Absolutely. We have, we have zero qualms with saying, come on in. We want you to see what we do. We're very transparent with our donors and donor families with our paperwork on what's going to happen to the individual when they are there with their gift and how it's going to be utilized. There are no misconceptions. And we are, um, I think the only, but I, I don't want to be quoted, but I think the only organization in the industry as far as NATO's non-transplant private entities that do not allow their donor tissue to be cremated or disposed by another entity. If our donor tissue is sent out for an event with our teams and comes, everything has to come back. We do all the cremation and final disposition with a contracted mortuary that's not done uh, on our, our um, organization site, if you will. We ensure that um, not all our hands are in the pot. So we, you know, not everything is, you know, we do transportation, we do the intake, we do the cremation, we do the disposition. We don't do that. We contract with a, a local mortuary and a local crematory that do that for us. And that they too are audited in person uh, every two years to ensure that they're following number one, all the state and regulations um, for the laws for funeral industry, transportation, um, and following our guidelines in the way they treat our donors. So we, we rely heavily uh, on our, I'd say rely was, is probably not a good word, but we um, work very hard to maintain our accreditation and ensure that that standard is set higher. I love it. Well, and that's such an important thing to think about if, if somebody is considering whole body donation is making sure you're going to a place where it does have that level of quality um, with Absolutely. the way the donor's treated. Absolutely. There's yeah. so many. Um, recent articles out there of where the deceased is not being treated the way they should. Um, and giving them that dignity and respect is so important to us. And we ensure to maintain that from the time that they, um, number one, have signed into the program, whether they're deceased or not. Um, we don't have to follow HIPAA, but we choose to do that with no information provided to, to someone who's not on the the donor forms or the family hasn't called and given us permission to speak to someone. So, so things are very hush hush. Um, if you don't have, if you're not in the loop. Yeah. Wow. So if somebody's thinking about donating, what's the process of becoming a donor? So for our organization, uh, again, we are a private entity. There is zero cost to the family for our, our program. Um, we will work with, either the uh, potential donor where they can pre-register uh, into the program, sign themselves in. We have about 17,000, I think, uh, pre-registered donors right now mm -hmm. um, that have been signed up for over some 20 years and some, you know, just a couple of days they're doing the process now. And, um, but that does not guarantee them. That's another misconception that you sign up, then that's where I'm going. 
So um, every entity has a criteria. And once you sign into the program, you are rescreened at the time of death. So we always tell you, even in our paperwork, have a backup plan because you may not be if you have an infectious disease at the time of death, or maybe you um, unfortunately died in a homicide or suicide. Those are parts of the criteria that we would not be able to take. And we're very open with that uh, on our, our criteria. So they can pre-register. Um, the other thing about our program is, and with a lot of the universities and medical schools, you have to be pre-registered. And with our program, you do not. So someone can call at the time of death and say, my husband or my loved one um, passed away this morning. We do have a, a time frame, 24-ish um, hours, as long as they've been in refrigeration and things like that. Um, and we can work with that family. We have to ensure that they have a legal next of kin or authorizing party. Mm. Not just anyone, Aunt Susie can't sign me into the program because I died. Yeah. Um, I have two children and if they decide they don't want me here, then we're not going to accept the donation. We want no family dynamics. We want to make sure everybody is happy um, with the decision of being a donor, uh, their loved one being a donor. And we don't want them to not want to be there. And that happens quite often as well, that someone has signed up and their family is just like, this is not our thing. We, we don't want this. I can't believe they signed up to do this. So we always tell our donor families, when you sign up for donation, tell your family, tell your family, tell that this is what your wishes were. Because we get the calls every day that say, you know, my dad wanted to be a donor. This was an unexpected death or he just never got around to it. Things like that. Not uncommon. So with us, we can at the, at the time of death sign in. We will arrange all transportation of getting the decedent from the place of death um, to the proper refrigeration and getting them to our facility. And we incur that cost filing of the death certificate, providing the family with one death certificate, cremation after their stay, which again is six to 12 months is the norm. Mm -hmm. And then getting their cremated remains home if the family chooses to have them home. Otherwise they're interred uh, in the Memphis area in a columbarium. And again, they can call, we, we have this happen at least once a week. Hey, mom just died. I'm getting her ashes, but she never wanted dad's ashes. And they're somewhere with you. He died 15 years ago. No problem. Takes about two weeks. We'll pull him out and we'll send him home to you. Aww. So we, we have them uh, available at all times. That's, that's really cool. This is fascinating. I, I know nothing about this. So it's so fascinating. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about yet that is interesting or beneficial to know about whole body donation? I think there is just a lack of education and awareness, which is something we've been with uh, Mary Genesis trying to do uh, the last two years is to grow that education and awareness. I, I speak a lot around the country about um, donation and our facility, and I could talk about it all day long. I absolutely love um, Genesis and, and Mary. I'm very passionate about what we do. But I will tell you, if you choose not to donate with us, that's okay. It's all about just the education and the awareness. We want you to know that that's an option because there's so many misconceptions of, well, I'm going to be an organ donor, so I can't be with you. Or I'm going to be a whole body donor, so I can't do organ. No, no, no. We, can, we all work together in the industry and want you to be able to utilize your gift to the maximum extent, um, no matter where you go. 
just do your due diligence and know where you're going and that your loved one or your own body is going to be treated with the dignity and respect that it deserves. Um, and that your disposition is going to be, um, either interred or, or sent back. And some do scatter at sea. We have, um, some, some, um, fellow companies that, that are like ours that are in the industry, they do scatter at sea. Some do, um, uh, uh, oh, I don't know. It's the, the final burial. And it's just like in a group burial at the end of the year. So each, each facility is different, but ours are always able to be returned. Well, and all it costs to find out how this is, you know, to go with an organization or an institute that's accredited the only cost is a little bit of research time because this it, whole body donation is free all the time right it is for the facilities i will tell you that um we work with so we um will refer if we're not able to take you as a donor we will refer you to another accredited bank there are only seven and there are hundreds of non-transplant banks in the country but there are only seven accredited. Mm. That does not include the medical schools. The medical schools and, and universities are not accredited, um, but they help write those, those standards, I will tell you, with the AATB. And, um, but, again, do your due diligence because some, some colleges and medical schools will charge you the transportation, a couple hundred dollars to get the deceased or the charge of the embalming um, for their facility. Um, I know of one that's in South Carolina, um, their fee is like $450, which sounds like a lot, but it's, it's not, but that's getting the, the decedent there, getting them involved and things like that, because some of those programs are, are funded through schools. Mm. So it will have some cost. We're very fortunate um, that we have zero cost to our families <clears throat> and that we can provide them with the services that we can. Um, to ensure that they, they get what they need. If they need additional death certificates, we guide them in that area. We have a lot of grief resources, um, things like that. We're, we're not counselors. We're not therapists. Um, seems like we are some days, but <laughs> I bet. not going to, you know, tell someone on the phone, well, you know, maybe you need to, to talk to someone. That is not what we do. If they, they ask about grief resources. We have that. We have it on our website. Uh, as well as everything from Veterans Administration, because people don't know as a veteran what their loved one is entitled to. Mm -hmm. That is free. That is free. Additional death certificates, um, markers, burial of the ashes when they're done. There's zero cost for all of these things because they served our country. So we want to ensure that they have all of this knowledge um, and Social Security and what their loved one is entitled to because people don't know. And there is money out there because this these programs people think oh i i can't afford a funeral so people are giving back to whole body donation for multiple reasons number one they're giving back for the betterment of mankind advancement in in things for medicine um they could have been healthcare providers themselves first responders things like that um but again then we also help those this is a, a program for those that may not have and have exhausted all traditional funeral and cremation costs. Because again, there's zero cost with our program. And um, if we don't, if we're not in your area that we can service, then we will refer you to another accredited bank that, that services your area. Nice. 
Well, last question for you. How did you get into this? Oh, gosh. <laughs> that, that's a funny question. So I've been in healthcare, not to, to show my age or anything, for about 36 years and worked the last 10 years of that in orthopedic surgery and trauma. And I have really just gotten tired. And I was, you know, of the, the, of the living <laughs> of just a, a lot of things. I think I was just tired in general. And my passion always was forensics and um, death care, if you will. So I've had a lot of death in my life. And I thought, well, I want to help someone. So I quit my job. I had uh, seven-year-old twin daughters. I quit my job and said, I'm going to take my retirement and go back to school. Well, that lasted about three months before <laughs> I had two jobs and in school, but went to mortuary school and I came to the Mary as just a part-time lab assistant to, to earn some money as a single mom. Uh, while in school, and it turned into a wonderful opportunity for me. And I've been with the organization now for 19 years. So, but also work part time at a local funeral home uh, as a funeral director as well, doing community work. So I'm very, I uh, try to stay very involved with our community as well. So, but yeah, it's kind of funny how I fell into it. So 19 years later, still here and, and absolutely love it. Yeah, that's so great. Well, thank you so much for your time and, and sharing this with us. I had no idea about any of this. So now I'm going to go look and see if I can sign up because I'm not <laughs> going to need it when I'm dead. <laughs> oh, well, that, hey, that's awesome. That is awesome. No matter where you go and where you decide to go, that that is awesome. Again, we encourage that so much. And uh, if it wasn't for our donors, this is I always close with this. If it wasn't for our donors and the gift that they give, we would not be able to do what we do and have the advances that we do. Uh, and the great physicians and nurses and first responders and, and uh, healthcare industry that we have without their gift. Well, there you have it. Absolutely fascinating information. And I, and I loved the way Robin was so passionate about the people that were donating and the way that Genesis treats the donors, treats the gift. Um, it's just such a cool, cool thing. And to know that even when you're not here inhabiting your body, that your body is continuing doing good things in the world. So look into whole body donation. If that's something you're into, remember that you can be an organ donor on your license and be a whole body donor as well. But remember to look for that accredited place so that they have the high standards that Genesis does. Genesislegacy.org is the website. Uh, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for listening to this fascinating episode. So grateful to Robin uh, for her time and her knowledge and her passion about something that we don't talk about very often. So. I hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you next week with another fascinating episode uh, following a little bit more Dancing in the Discomfort Zone on death with the first black female executive director of the funeral, uh, sorry, the cemetery where Abe Lincoln is buried in Springfield, Illinois. So we will see you next week with that fascinating addition to our Discomfort Zone dance. Thanks for listening. <laughs>